Today's episode is sponsored in part by My Pet Chicken, your one-stop shop to feed all of your poultry addiction needs. My Pet Chicken offers a variety of poultry supplies from chicken coops to chicken diapers, as well as a wide variety of chicken, duck, and goose breeds. So go to MyPetChicken.com slash farm to put in your chick, duckling, or gosling order. That link lets them know that we sent you. It's a great way to support our podcast and to order what your poultry-loving heart desires. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey, Puff. What you drinking over there? I just opened an Urban Artifact Trivet. It's a Cranberry Lemonade Goza. Ooh, I love a good Goza. Oh, I do too. And I picked it because of what you said in our mini-sode about turning lemons into lemonade. I was like, <laughs> what a great on-theme beer. I love it. <laughs> What'd you open over there? So I opened an Arbor Brewing Company Trail Light Raspberry, which is a low-cal raspberry air, ale, not air, brewed with hibiscus. And it's only 99 refreshing calories. Mm. So I'm testing it out because I'm like, you know, I like to drink while I'm outside in the summer, like doing farm things. And it's always good to find like a lower calorie option to throw in there sometimes. And with, you know, being quarantined, self-quarantined I should say for a couple of months probably uh I don't want to gain all the weight from my quarantine snacks (laughs) fair enough (laughs) (sighs) and welcome to we drink and we farm things this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community from hobby farmers to large-scale real deal farmers We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing. And sometimes we go off on non-farming related tangents, but we cut a lot of those and stick them up on the Patreon. And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps, so go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. We have all kinds of fun things up there for you, and it's an excellent way to support the podcast starting at just $2 a month. And a little birdie told me that you want to listen to this episode's outtakes, (laughs) so if you're not a Patreon peep yet, you should go do that. (laughs) Yeah, I just released a special edition song about the coronavirus, so you guys want to hear it. It's super good. So good, my dog was crawling all over me, telling me to stop, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of the Patreon, our drink peep this episode is at Ashley Kiernan over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So I have a correction for this week. Dun, dun, dun. I know. You did it right. (laughs) So... Anybody that's listened to us for a while knows that I say that I have 70 chickens, but it's probably closer to 100 because I just don't have the patience to count. 
Well, my husband did a head count on the chickens the other day, and he got to about 60 and said there weren't many that he was missing. So I might actually have 70 chickens. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like I don't even know you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news is that the uh, My Pet Chicken orders will be coming in at the end of April. Um, So it'll be closer to 100 by then that's true he might have been missing a few so but i felt like i should just come clean and tell you guys that maybe it is actually 70 or or pretty darn close so yeah that's where we're at with my chickens so i'll keep you guys posted on if i can do a full head count or not i should try it once they're sleeping now that it's like lighter out longer but i wanted to come clean and tell the truth so there there's that (laughs) It's always good to tell the truth. <laughs> so I have a bit of follow-up this week. Ooh, okay. Uh, I took Sky the goat for a driveway breeding, oh, and mm-hmm. it was a spectacular failure. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> now you know what a spectacular failure is like for that, so do tell. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so Sky is really easy to tell when she's in heat because she has, like, a little light-skinned rear end. Which, like, you know, puffs up a really bright pink color when Uh it's ready. So I saw it and I was like, Sky's ready. I've got to take her, like, right now. So I messaged her and rushed over. I was like, she's in heat. I'm going to do it right now. You know, like, before this gets too crazy and I can't actually leave the house, like, for real for anything. Right. And uh, I got there and she saw her and she's like, oh, yeah, she's definitely in heat. But it might be a little early. I was like, oh, well, you know. Let's take her to see him and, you know, it doesn't hurt to find out. When she said that when your goat is not in standing heat, they will flip out when the buck tries to mount them. She was not exaggerating. No, it's bad. (laughs) We were cleaning out the stall yesterday and Maya was in with one of like the the, like two month old baby boys. And oh, my God, he is a little horn dog. And she like (laughs) hunkered down, even though he couldn't possibly reach her. Yeah. It's quite crazy. And it makes you feel kind of bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, like, you know, because I was there, you know, like I tried to calm her down and I tried to like hold her. But then, uh, you know, I was like, no, this is clearly not working. Like Tonks was so much easier. So I can I can clearly see like the difference between a doe that is ready and a doe that's not. So I might bring her back today. She wasn't ready yet this morning. She told me to wait until she was flagging or rubbing up against her brother. She said those two things will tell you that she's in standing heat and not just in heat. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't doing either of those things this morning. Okay. So I don't know, this afternoon, hopefully. And then if not, then I don't know when it's going to get done. (laughs) So for the main part of this week's episode, we're going to talk about hatching goslings. Yay! Yay! So I got geese last April, and they tend to, like, take quite a bit of time before they're ready to lay eggs. So I was very excited when they started laying eggs about mm, a month ago. Um, I did crack one open to make sure like the male goose was getting with the lady geese. Um, and he was like the first one I cracked open. So I'm feeling like since my company's a hundred percent remote until at least May 1st, that it's the perfect sign that it's time to try hatching with my incubator. I fully agree. Yeah. Because 
who doesn't want a good project right now with all the, you know, the world melting down and running out of toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, we all need something to do, right? Yeah. So I've been putting it off since I would need to hand turn them like three to four times a day because I don't have an egg turner that is a good size for goose eggs because goose eggs are pretty huge. Um, but I have a Sepestapool, a Toulouse, and a Roman Tufted that are all mixed in together right now with the male goose, who is also a Sepestapool. Um, and I've been collecting at least three day- eggs a day, so I know three of the four ladies are at least laying, and I've seen one of each on the nest, so I should be getting one of each as long as everything hatches okay. Oh, nice. Yes. So I'm very excited. And I did want to point out that we've previously talked about hatching before for chicks and ducklings. If you want to hear how to hatch chicks, you'll listen to Drinkin' Farm's first mini soda ever, Drink and Hatch. And then if you want to hear about ducklings, uh, you'll listen to episode 13, Don't Put Poop in Your Milk. <laughs> um, <laughs> we covered a lot of things in that episode. Like, it's crazy to me looking back how much we used to cram in an episode. So if you just want a little throwback to Drink and Farm early days, listen to those. There's still good information in there. Yeah, but you'll fully appreciate the organization of our later episodes. Yes, <laughs> yes I won't go back and listen. Personally, no, I won't either. <laughs> I'll be way too critical on myself. So I just like to look forward. <laughs> same, same. So the article that I pulled a lot of this information from is from incubators.org. And we'll post that link in the show notes. Um, so we'll go through this. It should be a pretty short one, guys, especially if you've hatched chicken eggs before or ducklings. There are some similarities, but some things worth pointing out. Um, it's in, in, you might be asking, well, Sam, why don't you just let your geese sit on the eggs? Well, there's a couple of reasons. So when hatching goose eggs, it's best to use an incubator if you want to maximize your egg output because geese do not lay while they're hatching. So removing those eggs and using an incubator instead can increase the number of eggs you're going to get in a breeding season because geese only lay from like early spring or even a little late in the winter um, until August, September. So depending on your farm goals, you'll want to understand if you're okay with your geese hatching them because you don't want to be in charge of misting the eggs and turning them four times a day, or if you want more eggs because of that brief window. So it's important to check your eggs for late morning since that's when most egg production happens, but you'll also want to check throughout the time throughout the day. Um, especially when they're kind of figuring their stuff out. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> the article suggests like four times a day, but honestly, if I wasn't working from home, that would not be possible. So just check as often as you can. Yeah. And that's good that you um, reminded everybody that they won't lay while they're sitting on a nest because like when it's chickens that do that, you're thinking, oh, no big deal because my other 70 chickens (laughs) are going to be laying while this one is, you know, minding the nest. But typically people don't own that many geese. So to have one out of commission Mm -hmm. laying is a lot. It's a big percentage. So yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that. (laughs) I didn't either until I read the article. So I was I was like, if I need to know this, other people should probably hear it too. Um, And the reason why you want to consider if it's okay, if your goose isn't laying or not is because incubation of goose eggs can take anywhere from 28 days to hatch, or 35 days to hatch. So 
you want to consider if it's okay for them to kind of be out of commission for a month while they're doing this job of hatching. Oh my gosh. So is it just random? Like we're not going to know if it's going to be between 28 <laughs> or 35? Or so, is there like... <laughs> so they say for smaller breeds, it's 28 days. And for like larger breeds, it can be up to 35 days. I'm going to go on 35 days because I think my geese are kind of large and in charge. But... That puts us around Easter, so I think that would be a fun Easter surprise the Saturday before Easter to get some baby goslings, because who doesn't like baby oh. animals in the spring around Easter? <sighs> I mean... Horrible people, that's who. That person's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So when you feel like you're ready to set up your incubator, you want to make sure the temperature's at 99.5 degrees. Um, And it's a good thing to set that up like a day or two in advance to make sure you can stabilize temperature. And you also have to consider humidity. So you want the humidity to be maintained around 50 to 55 percent until the first until the 27th day. Then you want to increase it to 75 percent for the remaining days because that's going to help them hatch a little easier. And there's uh, different ways that you can help increase the humidity. Some breeders recommend removing your eggs for 15 minutes a day and spraying them with water. Other rec- others recommend submerging them in water that is 99.5 degrees for one minute every other day from the 15th day of incubation and then daily during the last week. Um, so you have to determine what method is going to work best for you and that you're comfortable with and use the same method throughout the entire incubation process. Personally, I'll just be misting mine. Because, that makes sense. Because when you get closer to that hatch date, if they pip and you don't really notice and you submerge them in water, they're going to drown. Yeah. So depending yeah. on what your comfort level is, that's how you should move forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I don't know. if I feel like, so I haven't hatched any gosling eggs. So this is just like from my initial like, standing on the outside. Taking them out and then submerging them in water i feel like that's a little more dangerous in the like accidentally dropping or cracking eggs department because you're handling them a lot Mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe there's a way to like do that more safely or maybe like use really good rubber tongs or something but yeah um, i have better fingers (laughs) me too i'm a klutz so I'm just not even going to try to do that, especially my first go around. And, you know, one thing, too, is if it doesn't work out well, this hatch rate, like, because, you know, you collected them from your backyard. So I don't know how goose eggs are, but like chicken eggs collected from the backyard, you're looking at like an 80 to 90 percent hatch rate Mm -hmm. because they didn't have to go through like all the shipping process and stuff. If they're shipped, it like drops drastically down to like 50 percent. So if goose or geese are the same. Then if you end up with a good hatch rate doing the misting thing, you don't even have to mess around with like experimenting Mm -hmm. with the submerging thing. But if it's not a good hatch rate, then maybe next time see if that works better. I don't know. Totes. We've been big fans of Grubbly Farm Grubblies before we even started this podcast. And if your flock hasn't tried Grubblies yet, they are definitely missing out. Grubblies are a nourishing daily snack that chickens love. Grubblies are protein-packed, calcium-rich grubs that'll give your flock the nutrients and minerals for healthier feathers and stronger eggshells. Not only are grublies healthy for your chickens, ducks, and geese, but they are also great for our planet. 
Every harvest of grubs is safely and sustainably grown, recycling food waste that would otherwise end up in a landfill. So get more bang for your buck by going with Grubly Farms Grublies, the official chicken snack of the Drinkin' Farm podcast. Head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order, and Grublies always ship free. So you'll want to make sure that the temperature and humidity is stabilized for at least 24 to 48 hours before you place your eggs into the incubator. If you're hanging on to a bunch of eggs, what you can do is store them. Um, You want to keep them in cooler storage, so 59 to 60 degrees if possible, and you can hang on to them for up to seven days. And it's a good idea to turn the eggs daily during storage, which I did not do. So we'll see how that goes for me. <laughs> but one, like two of them that I grabbed were like from yesterday. And then one of them was from this morning. So most of them should be okay. I'm only doing seven. And okay. then if anybody lays anything else today, I'll throw those in there too. Um, so you'll want to make sure that the eggs are uncracked, weighing five to seven ounces for best hatching results. And if the eggs are dirty, you should clean them prior to incubation with a clean, damp cloth. And I actually use my honey and rue scrubby, egg scrubby, and it worked magic on them. Genius. So here's the part that is kind of new for me for hatching. I'm going to hand turn my eggs. Um, And this is very important for poultry incubation. So this is something that the goose would do herself if she was sitting on the nest. So I have to play mother goose. (laughs) and for my human brain what I will be doing is uh, or what I did do is I put an X on one side in crayon and an O on the other side in crayon Um, remember that eggs are porous so (laughs) you do not want to use permanent marker um, because it could leak through and I don't know what would happen there so I just use a good old crayon to mark them so I know which ones I've turned and which ones still need to be turned um and it's if you're if you're lucky enough to have an automatic egg turner, it's still a good idea to to do that if you're gonna take them out to soak them or miss them or check for fertility uh, throughout the goose egg incubation process. And then you are able to determine fertility by candling goose eggs, which is essentially like taking a flashlight, putting it under the egg, and you'll be able to see growth of the embryo and probably some movement. So it's important to pick the best eggs for incubation in order to have the best possible fertility rate. So candling your goose eggs at between day seven and 10 um, is a good way to do that. So (laughs) I've been guilty of leaving eggs in longer than I thought because I'm a little like gun shy about what is actually fertile and what is not. So you can do that, but you do run the risk of like an egg going bad and being really stinky or even exploding in your incubator. So keep that in mind. Okay. Um, And then hatching after the 27th day, you'll do your last dip or spray with the eggs and then you lock that stuff down and the waiting begins. And when the goose eggs begin to pip, the hatching process has begun. Um, You'll want to reduce the humidity and temperature a bit to encourage the hatching. And then after the hatching, they recommend leaving the goslings in the hatcher for two to four hours before moving them to the brooder. Yeah, that's so that they can have their nice little spa day, right? So they get all fluffy and dry. And just get even more cute. Even though you don't (laughs) think it's possible, they get cuter. Right. (laughs) 
Um, we won't go into brooding too much, but it, uh, because I think we also did an episode on brooding when I got my goslings beforehand. Um, I forgot to dig up that episode, but we've talked about it before. Um, you can use any kind of small building or a corner of your garage, a barn, a shed, a, a tote, whatever, um, to put some shavings down and brood them. You want to start it off at 95 degrees and then week to week to come down until they're at like 70. Um, in warmer weather, they can actually go outside for a little bit with supervision in as little as two weeks, depending on what time of year it is. The key there is just keeping them dry and warm and geese just like ducks are very messy so you have to be prepared to change their bedding often what we do is we put puppy pads under the shavings so we can just grab the corner of the puppy pads and quickly get the stuff out and then replace it oh my gosh i didn't even think of doing that with this batch of meat chickens i was looking in there today and i was like I'm going to have to move you guys all to a box and clean this out soon because you guys are disgusting little poop machines. <laughs> and I did not put puppy pads down. And I have a whole freaking package of them in the feed room. Oh, there you go. So I'm going to scoop that out today and put those pads down. Yeah. Thank you. See, this is why we do a podcast. This mostly is why. just to remind ourselves of the things we're supposed to be doing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Make our lives easier. Yes. So I wanted to also talk about how I'm keeping track of all of this. Um, Henny and Rue sent us a calendar in the January box, I believe. So I'm using that. I numbered each day on the calendar and made four circles on each day so I can mark off when I turn the eggs. And I also set reminders on my phone. Um, I also marked on the calendar the days that I needed to miss the eggs and when lockdown is. And I marked when I can start candling the eggs. That's such a good idea. Yeah, and and this is just right next to my incubator, so I hopefully won't forget to mark the things that I need to mark. (laughs) (laughs) Just make sure that you, like, stick a pen to it and you'll be good. I would hang the calendar up and then a child would steal the pen, (laughs) never to be seen again, and then I'd wander around the house for, like, 10 minutes. Just looking for a pen. (laughs) Where's my pen? And then I'd see something shiny and forget what I was working on and never go mark it down. (laughs) Yeah, luckily, I don't have children that are here all the time to steal my pen but i probably do need to worry about my husband stealing the pen probably tape it tape it to your calendar (laughs) so bev what can't you even about this week so i can't believe that there's this so they call it an adorable alpaca that terrorizes her home oh my (laughs) tell me more because i want alpacas will this change my opinion so it might. <laughs> Just a warning. So don't have my husband listen to this episode. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So I pulled this from the dodo and there will be a link to this in the show notes. It's a video and it's a pretty hilarious video, but also slightly creepy because there's this alpaca and she basically chases and terrorizes everyone on her farm. Like... She does this, like, mad dog thing at the Longhorn Cattle, (laughs) where she, like, stomps at them and, like, juts her neck forward like she's going to, like, attack them. And they're all backing up, like, circling around, like, ooh, what's the alpaca going to do to us? Oh, my God. And she chases her dogs, and she chases the donkey around, and she chases the goats around. It's, like, kind of insane. 
And she's even a really huge creeper on her people. Like when her people are in the barnyard area, like feeding and cleaning and stuff, she's never very far, but just like around a corner, just like sticking her head around to like look and keep an eye on what they're doing. Then she like slides back when they see her. It's really weird (laughs) and a little scary. And the video calls her an adorable alpaca, but truth be told, she is scary AF looking. Oh, no. Like, her eyes are, they're evil. They are evil, evil eyes, I'm telling you. I'm going to have to watch this. (laughs) You do. You need to watch this. Okay. And... They do tell a little bit of her backstory. So this alpaca was born on a deer ranch. And apparently the deer ranch didn't need as many alpacas as they had. So they gave this guy her. So she's the only alpaca on her farm. So I don't know. That might be the problem. She might need some alpaca friends. And she's actually a really good livestock guardian. Um, I didn't know that alpacas would do this, but she like keeps an eye on her whole pasture and she chases out anything that comes in it. When she eats, she'll have like three bites and then she sticks her head up to like look around and make sure everything's safe. And then she, you know, goes down and eats again. And when she's not terrorizing the things that she's in the pasture with, she's actually really good about kind of like protecting them and rounding them up and everything. But she's also a really huge spitter. She spits on everyone. And everything. (laughs) If it annoys her or makes her mad or scares her, she spits. In fact, it was really funny. The donkey was trying to eat some animal crackers because the owner, like, threw animal crackers on the ground for everybody. So he bent down just, like, at one animal cracker. And she ran over and spit at him in the face. (gasps) And he's like, oh. (laughs) It was kind of sad but kind of (laughs) funny. I feel like on a bad day this this alpaca is my spirit animal and the things that i wish i could do but i cannot because i am a civilized human being but it's like the things that happen in your brain when things aren't going your way (laughs) exactly she's like i was gonna eat that animal cracker (laughs) so your spirit animal is a goose mine is an alpaca yes exactly (laughs) both sassy sassy af (laughs) But her people still love her, even though she's obviously a psychopath. I don't know why they don't consider her a psychopath, but. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm seriously reconsidering my alpaca plans now. So I'm hoping that some of our alpaca listeners can send us some nice stories about alpacas because I want to read them and I'm sure you want to read them and I need to be talked back into them at this point in my life. (laughs) I mean, I feel like the good probably outweigh the bad alpacas. I'm sure they do. It's just like any other animal. They all have their own little like quirky personalities. And this one is just a little crazy. Yes. So what's your can't even this week? So mine is from gruntstuff.com. And the title is mutant goat born with human face being worshipped like a god. (laughs) And when I saw that in the headlines, I was like, Oh, dear. I need to see this. So we'll put the link in the show notes. So make sure you go look at it. But like, brace yourself. It's creepy. So I'm going to look at it. Okay, right now. I, I want your reaction before I go into this. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it kind of looks like Sasquatch. <laughs> So, this mutant goat is being worshipped like a god after being born with an eerie-looking human face. So, do you feel like it looks human? Eh, human-esque? So, 
I didn't at first, but every time I go away from it and come back, I see it. It it looks yeah. like a dude with really sad eyes and a big beard. Yes. That's a great description. So photographs and clips of the oddball beast have rapidly gone viral after they've been posted on a social media in Rajasthan, India. I think I said that right. Sorry if I slaughtered it. Um, at first, the oddball animal left villagers baffled as its freakish facial construction makes it look simply like a grumpy previous man. <laughs> so grumpy old man. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, they now reportedly say the unfortunate looking creature might might be worshipped as a as an avatar of a god. Oh boy. Um, so it. This was first unveiled um, on movie, displaying it with a wagging tail and stumbling around. Um, and they're seeing it as like an omen. <laughs> oh, no. And in India, it's not uncommon, though, for mutant animals to draw consideration, as many think about them as to be a signal from God in response to native sources. Consultants oh, have okay. prompt the goat suffers from an uncommon congenital defect often called cyclopia cyclopa cyclopia so cyclopia cyclopia thank you beverly (laughs) um so these genes that beneath regular circumstances create facial symmetry fail when something has this defect yeah i could see that yeah so it did kind of give me like Cyclops vibes when I saw it and read that. Yeah. Um, another example is just recently a mutant cow was born um, in West Bengal that was additionally worshipped by the locals until it sadly died at simply four months old. Um, a mutant piglet that right regarded like a tran- chimpanzee was born in Cuba with one eye in the middle of its brow. And in- oh, that one was a cyclops. <laughs> yes. And in 2017, a goat was born with a single large eye in India, baffling native villagers. Vets feared the animal, which solely had one ear, would die in days. Nevertheless, it defied expectations and survived. Hmm. So weird animals. There's a lot of weird animals being born in India. There is. I mean, you'll see, like, defects here in America, too. But most of the defects that I've seen are, like, they can't use their back legs. So if you're not going to put them down, you have to, like, build them a cart. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that before, too. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering. So it's probably just, like, one of those recessive genes. Mm -hmm. And it gets like exacerbated when two animals breed that happen to both have that recessive gene. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's a crazy, seriously, everybody needs to go click on that link because it is a crazy looking goat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it looks like one of those Damascus goats. It does. Oh my gosh. Oh, also creepy, but those aren't genetic defects. That's just weird. Yeah, although I did read somewhere that people were intentionally breeding them to exacerbate those really awful qualities that they have. And, like, eventually they get them so that, like, the mouth and the nose is, like, smashed kind of like a pug's. And they can't really eat Mm. when their face is shaped like that. Like, you know, it's, like, smashed so far back that they can't, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, ethical like issues with that clearly (laughs) yeah (sighs) 
So if you have a can't even that you want to share with us, you can share that in our Facebook group or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and be sure and leave us a review because we'll read our favorite every week on the podcast. And you can leave those over at Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Um, and at the end of every month, we draw one of the reviews that we read out of a proverbial hat and that person wins a super awesome coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop so be sure and submit those reviews guys and this week's review is from blackberry hill via apple Podcasts in australia Ooh. Ooh. and the title is great to listen to a light-hearted podcast and it says what a great and funny podcast can be informative about many subjects even while drinking <laughs> Keep up the great work, ladies. Cheers, Lucas. Well, thank you, Lucas. We're glad that we're competent even when we're drinking. (laughs) I kind of want to have a shirt printed that says, can be informative about many subjects even while drinking. I feel like (laughs) that should be our shirts when we go to coop camp. Yes. Yes, it should be. Which coop camp 2020 is still on as of today, March 16th. We can't guarantee that when this is dropped. Or by the time you listen to it, that it will be there. But we're like crossing our fingers and our toes that everything will be right in the world again. And we can go to Coop Camp June 5th through 7th, just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes. And Drink and Farm has a phone number now. All thanks to Sam. (laughs) Well, it's one of those things I was like, we should do this. Because I hear on other podcasts we do. But I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally, I was like, you know what? We're going to do this. And then I was able to find a phone number that really just rang true to us. So our phone number is 401-426-FARM, which is 401-426-3276. So what you can do now is call and leave us a voicemail with your farm story, your questions for us, or your can't evens. So like if you've been putting off typing up your farm story because you don't want to type it, uh, now you can call us and tell us it it instead and we'll play the recording on the podcast yes it's gonna be so awesome yes so who's gonna be first to <gasps> leave us a voicemail it could be you i can't wait so to hear it. it we're so excited maybe we should send something special to that person that Ooh. leaves us the first voicemail maybe we can give them a coffee mug too oh let's do that i like it okay yep All right, and make sure you hit that subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find us. And do us a favor and share this episode over on the Instagram and your stories and tag us. We're at Drink and Farm. We'll send you a promo code that's good for that episode that'll give you a percentage off in our merch shop. And make sure that you check out our YouTube channel because Bev's lovely husband, Jared, has helped us get that up to date. And it's awesome. So you need to go check it out. And it's a great way to kind of have like some background noise with some video happening during, you know, your coronavirus panic or (laughs) non-panic, depending on how you feel. We don't want you to panic. (laughs) But we can understand if you do just a little. Yeah. We just mostly want you to stay safe and healthy and inside. Yes. (laughs) And this is great entertainment for that. That'll hopefully soothe your soul. Yes. 
And make sure that you take a look at the show notes to find links to the article we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, all of our social media goodness, and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. We hope you enjoyed learning how to hatch gosling eggs and that if you have geese, maybe you'll take this time to have a little side project to keep you entertained and engaged in something that isn't, you know, prepping for doomsday. Yeah. (laughs) And until next time, drink, farm, and and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm.